I went through like the hardest time in my life and like my rock bottom when things were going really well for us and things were really starting to take off. And, and I think that's been an important lesson for me too, that we see with a lot of successful people that success and money and status and all these kind of things don't equate to happiness. You know, it just reminds me that like mental health does not discriminate. It's a part of all of our lives. Conversations are the key to unifying the world. So let's hear from the conversationalists and changemakers who are breaking echo chambers and using their voices for good. I'm your host, Sophie Barron, and this is the Conversationalist Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here and for being a part of our journey to unify the world. This episode is an amazing one. And before we dive in, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you can get notified whenever we have an episode. I started The Conversationalist so every single person's voice can be heard. And here on our podcast, I chat with Gen Z activists, entrepreneurs, and game changers from the TC community, as well as experts and thought leaders who are at the forefront of social change. I'm here to help break open your echo chamber so you can unify your world. I'm so excited about the community we're building together. So come join us on the Geneva app by texting UNIFY to 877-222-1119 or simply visit our website, theconversationalist.com. Once you join, you'll be able to find new friends, new opportunities, and 24-7 conversation surrounding anything and everything under the sun that matters to you. Let's dive into today's episode. In honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, I'm joined by two of the four co-founders of Mad Happy and the Local Optimist, Payman Rath and Mason Spector. Payman and Mason are on a mission to make the world a more optimistic place, and they do so through the Mad Happy clothing label, through their online platform, The Local Optimist, and through their new podcast. Each arm of Mad Happy aims to start the conversation to help individuals on their own mental health journeys. In this episode, Payman and Mason both open up about their own personal experiences with mental health, and they share some incredible advice on how we can normalize the mental health conversation, not just in May, but in every month throughout the year. Thanks again for being here, and without further ado, here's my conversation with Mason and Payman. Payman, Mason, welcome to the Conversationalist Podcast. It's so great to see you both together in person, hoping to have more of those post-COVID hangouts IRL. How are you both doing? How's your week? Good. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, Week is crazy. Life is crazy, but we're happy to be here. Happy to talk to you. Yeah, same. Thank you, Sophie. And we're feeling good. We're happy to be here. Love it. We're so happy you're here. And every episode on the Conversationalist Podcast starts out with some breaking of the ice. So I'm going to ask the two of you some rapid fire questions and I can't wait to hear your answers. So first and foremost, where in the world are the both of you right now? We're in Los Angeles in the arts district of downtown LA. Love it. And if you were to pick your most controversial take, what would it be? Wow. <laughs> That's a good first one. Can be anything music related, food related. My most, con- well, I guess it's not controversial, but for me, 
I always need the air conditioning on when I sleep and it has to be no higher than 67, 68 degrees at all times. I like that. I, I don't know if that's controversial because <laughs> I agree with that, but I like that one. Nice. You're going to pick that one too. <laughs> yes. Let's do Sweet. it. Sweet. That's a safe answer. I love it. Next question. What would you say is your walk-up song? Wow. Trophies. Drake. My walk-up song. <laughs> I don't know. Like Final Countdown or something. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so good. We'll make a playlist. Next up, what's something on both of your bucket lists? Bucket list for me is skydiving. It's oh. one of them. <laughs> Did you go? Oh, no, I've never been. Now. My number one on my bucket list is probably to be a father. That was awesome. And next up, if you could change one thing about the world, no limitations, what would it be and why? I think it would just be for people to be a bit nicer, to show a bit more compassion, to try and remove just some of the evil and negativity that is in the world. I feel like a lot of people, understandably so, start to feel like life is somewhat of a competition. And I think we all exist on this planet together and are linked together in some weird ways that we don't all understand. And if we kind of did a better job of living like that and working together and treating other people how we'd like to be treated and just some basic things like that, that's a world that I'd love to live in and a world that would survive a lot longer than it looks like maybe ours will. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think for me, just sort of like the mindset or choosing everyone to choose to be an optimist, I think that that would go a long way, even in just how we approached our every day. And that doesn't mean that there wouldn't be challenges, but I think the way of thinking is so important. And and we've seen like really the best way to, to, to try to make it through all the ups and downs of life. And so that's what I would pick. Beautifully said. And I can't wait to dive a bit more into optimism because I know that's so near and dear to the two of you. But before we do, here at The Conversationalist, we are all about breaking open echo chambers. And one question that I make sure to ask every single person on the show is what does your echo chamber look like? What are the communities you're a part of? Do you feel like you're stuck in any sort of silos? How would you describe your echo chamber? Mm. I guess to, uh, to better answer your question, can you help me understand what an echo chamber is exactly? Yeah, totally. And this is something that not a lot of people know. But if you picture the communities that you are brought up in, perhaps the people that you follow on social media, the groups that you subscribe to, oftentimes we self-select. And with that, if you picture for maybe your Twitter feed or your Facebook feed, sometimes the same ideologies over and over again can make it feel like that is representative of the world at large. And so if we surround ourselves with communities of like-minded people, oftentimes we mistake that reality for a reality with one opinion. So we're trying to break that open so that we get outside of those silos. Yeah. I, 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 th I think for me, since we started the brand, we've been super focused on, you know, building the business and, and having a startup and trying to grow it. So sometimes I could get caught up in, in what that experience is like versus like most people don't start a business. Most people have different perhaps types of challenges in, in their work life. But I think I'm more exposed to like the founders and like the people that are trying to like start something from nothing. And, you know, it would be good to open it up in a lot of ways. Yeah. An entrepreneurial echo chamber. Love it. I don't use social media a ton, but I use Twitter a lot. And part of the reason why I love Twitter so much is just because I have all these like different pieces of myself and different interests of myself that I kind of 
stay up to date in most of them i feel like are things that i've loved since a child be it sports or film entertainment music fashion things like that so that's definitely kind of my echo chamber in there and following what payment said too it's definitely difficult starting a business and being a founder to really open that chamber up and hear a lot of different kind of voices and stuff you're oftentimes find yourself kind of with the blinders on and like tunnel vision but yeah for sure and i can definitely relate and i know that the two of you have been in the entrepreneurship space for a while you just celebrated four years of mad happy congrats i'd love to know before we dive into the backstory how did the two of you meet so i went to high school here in la and mason's brother actually was in my freshman year geometry class so we met there and Mason and his brother are basically the same age. So like Mason would come to like the football games and stuff at our school. So I think that's how we originally met. Of course, like Matt, Mason's brother became my best friend and then eventually Mason. But when we first met, Mason was kind of too cool. And he, he, <laughs> I, you know, I met him a few times, but he would pretend like he didn't remember me. And that's the story. So since high school, so like, I don't know, 10 plus years, 15 years almost. And the rest is history. We owe it all to geometry class. That's awesome. And I love what you've been able to build through Mad Happy. I'm a huge fan. The two of you have really created such a special clothing label dedicated to starting conversations about mental health. And I love how on your website, you go into detail about how Mad Happy is intended to mean many different things to many different people, which I think is so unique because you could say the same for mental health. So I'd be curious to know, what does Mad Happy mean to the two of you? And also, what does mental health look like to both of you? Thank you for saying that. And in addition to the two of us, we have two other amazing partners that I definitely want to highlight because the two of us didn't build this alone. So shout out Noah and shout out Josh. When I think about what Mad Happy means for me, like you said, that's really what we feel like part of the beauty is of Mad Happy is that it can really just represent the essence of life. And I think is a reason why our brand has been able to grow so quickly is because of that name and people can attach to it and it can take on a meaning of its own for so many people. And we all can relate to it in our own special way, which makes it so powerful and like totally transcend any of us or any of the clothes or any of like those kind of things, which is why it means the world to us. Um, So for me, I guess it's really just a life. It's a normal life. It is just how I feel encapsulating of the human experience. We are going to experience a bunch of different things. Some of them are going to be great. Some of them are not going to be so great. Some of them are kind of going to be in the middle. And our days and our lives are going to be made up of all different kinds of stuff like that. And the more that we give equal love and attention to every single piece of that, kind of the more fulfilled and complete life we'll be able to live. That's beautiful. Payman, what about you? Yeah, I think that for us, at least when it started, the meaning I took away from it was like, sort of what I mentioned before is like trying to be optimistic despite the ups and downs of life, right? Like Mason mentioned this a little bit, but I think for us, like that really became what Mad Happy is and it was ingrained in the name from day one. And so as we started to grow our mission to create more conversation around mental health, with the growth of our business, I think it was just like a very natural progression that we were able to add on top of, of what the core message was from day one. And now, thankfully, four years later, it's clear that a lot of people were looking for that type of conversation, didn't feel like they had a place to have it, and joined our community to be able to like grow with us in many ways. 
I love that. That's awesome. And I know that we mentioned a huge part of your mission is utilizing clothing to start conversations surrounding mental health. So going back to the beginning, I'd be curious to know why was it important to the both of you and your other co-founders to start a conversation about mental health? And also what inspired you to do this through clothing? Yeah, I think what inspired us to make it about mental health kind of was something that wasn't even intentional. It's just something that kind of happened. Me and one of our partners, Noah, Payment's brother, um, actually started another company together before Mad Happy that was a clothing company. And we were just two kids who both didn't graduate college or really have any experience in the industry, but had ideas and had a network of family, friends, and a community in downtown Los Angeles, which is obviously a huge hub of fashion and manufacturing and textiles and all these things. And we just wanted to try it out. And and we experienced a little bit of success, but ultimately the lessons that we learned through that helped shape Mad Happy and to be able to grow that. So before we actually started Mad Happy, there was a period kind of in between a bit of a lull period where at least personally, I didn't really have any direction. I was like, fuck, I, I shouldn't have dropped out of school. What am I doing? I'm such a failure. I really wasn't feeling good about myself. And then when Mad Happy came to us, it was kind of just like that light bulb moment of like, wow, not only is this something that's so powerful that we both believe in, but it's also extremely representative of where I am in my life right now and really allowed me to feel a lot better about myself and my current situation. And then when thinking about how that applies to clothing, I feel like clothing really is kind of a bridge for a lot of people's mental health without even really realizing it because it's a way where we express ourselves every single day through clothing, jewelry, makeup, nails, shoes, all these kind of things. People look at us and they jump to conclusions. And I think it's such an awesome way of to express yourself through wearing brighter colors or through positive affirmations and graphics like optimism and the stuff that Payment's talking about. So it's been really cool to kind of see how fashion and clothing and mental health are linked a lot more than I think people realize. Unreal. Payment, what about you? I think Mason put it very well. I mean, I think that, you know, at, at its core, like we had a name and a message. And for us, it was natural to connect it to clothing as the first true iteration of it coming into the world. And since then, it's grown much beyond that, right? Our our retail experiences, our, our digital content, things of that sort. And, and we hope to continue growing that. But I think clothing, especially as a first vehicle and still our main one, is just such a powerful way to to spread the message of Mad Happy because it is a catchy name. It is something that makes people curious, makes them think, makes them feel when they read it. So that worked out really well. Amazing. And I know from when we've spoken before, both on separate occasions, I know that the mission of Mad Happy is also so closely tied to personal experiences that both of you have had with your own mental health. So I'd be curious to know, in a similar way, I tell people sometimes with the conversationalist that I started this because I struggled so deeply to have these hard conversations. And looking back on my journey so far, I can say that, you know, with some time and with practice, like I'm starting to have those conversations myself. I'd be curious to know for both of your personal journeys, have you seen an evolution in your own mental health journeys since you've started the company. I definitely want Mason to touch on his story and and he shared it a a bunch publicly. So I know that it's definitely helped a lot of people. I think for all of us, though, I think myself personally, but everyone really the message is that like we all have a mental health journey, right? And and, and there's the positives, the negatives and, and everything in between. And I know that when starting this brand, I didn't have as good of a grasp on the impact that my mental health perhaps that it had on me in the past. And so I think this brand 
and time and just growing up has allowed me to check in with myself a lot more and and try to take better care of myself, especially when trying to run a startup. But at the end of the day, like you said, Sophie, like everyone has their challenges. I know I definitely have, and all of us really have. And, and, and that's the cool part about it. It's like, it really is a shared experience amongst everyone, but Mason has a really, you know, great story and journey and has come a long way. Really teeing me up like that. Yeah. I think it's kind of been a blessing and a curse. I'd be lying if I said that it's made me so good with my mental health and I'm just like owning all my shit now. And like, because we have a company that talks about mental health, it means that I'm like a mental health guru because that's definitely not the case. I went through like the hardest time in my life and like my rock bottom when things were going really well for us and things were really starting to take off. And and I think that's been an important lesson for me too, that we see with a lot of successful people that success and money and status and all these kind of things don't equate to happiness. You know, just in the last few years, people like Kate Moss or people like Anthony Bourdain or like people who seemed like they were on the top of the world and had nothing to complain about. So it just reminds me that like mental health does not discriminate. It's a part of all of our lives. And I definitely feel really lucky that I get to work on something that I'm super passionate about that I can personally relate to. But yeah, at, at the same time, it does make it tough because sometimes I feel like I have to be this guy who is championing mental health and who people can look up to and, and can kind of speak on things. I and mean, that can be kind of hard when sometimes I don't feel great myself and I'm still kind of working through my shit. So just trying to be kind to myself and forgive myself and just know that, you know, it's it's all OK, which seems great because that's really the mission of of who we are and what we do. So I think it just has allowed me to really show up as myself and, and not have to feel bad about that. Completely. And I see that in everything that you're doing, both at Mad Happy and The Local Optimist and Payment You Too. I think it's so powerful that your stories have impacted such a purpose-driven brand. And Mason, I was reading some of your writing, oh, and I'd love to read a quote that really stuck out to me. <laughs> For all of our listeners, I read that you wrote, it's far from easy to talk about these things. I'm even apprehensive as I sit here and talk about myself fully knowing that my thoughts will be on such a public forum. Though any anxiety I have is quickly overridden when I think that my words have the potential to inspire even one person to talk about their problems and seek help. And I think that goes hand in hand with what you were just saying. I think it's so important to initiate these conversations with the hopes of impacting just one person to be a bit more open about their own mental health struggles. So here at The Conversationalist, we're all about having those conversations. What has it been like starting and initiating those hard conversations for both of you with your friends, your loved ones, and now even your community? And maybe even just to make it a bit more specific, does one particular conversation come to mind that was either tricky to navigate or really helped you open up about your struggles? I mean, I, I think to quickly back up, you know, the point you made, and, and that's a great quote by Mason, uh, is that we've thought a lot about what we're doing. Of course, like all the content we release, we wanted to have a huge reach, but we also understand that some of the content we make, especially on the mental health side on the local optimist is a bit more niche and is trying to help that specific person or group of, of people that needed it at that time. And in a way, an article or a piece having like more limited reach could actually be a good thing because it's it's helping that one person a lot more. And so we think that the impact we could have with our content is both wide and very narrow in terms of like the impact you could have on one person's life. I think for me, I started going to therapy 
really in January, seriously, every week. And so that's been a great place to have a lot of different hard conversations for myself and try to think about the things that that when you're running really fast and and working at, at a startup, it, it becomes hard to do. And, and so I think that that's taught me a lot to just, you know, take some more time for myself, be able to think about these things so that I even realize that I have some of these conversations that I need to have, whether it's with my parents, my my friends, my brother, my girlfriend. So I think that's what has been the biggest one for me this year. Yeah, I think when I first think about having hard conversations, I think that they're called hard conversations for a reason. And I think that's because they're hard and it's not easy. It doesn't feel easy or natural for us to have to have them. And I think at least me in my experience, like I've put off conversations that I knew I had to have for so long and come up with every justification I can in my head of why today's not the day or already letting my self-talk in my head of, all right, so I'm going to say this, then this person's going to say this, but then they're going to say that. Then like, what am I going to say? And just running through all of these scenarios without just doing it. So I think that's one big lesson that I have is that it never goes away. Even if you forget about it, it's still stored in your body or in your brain or somewhere. And it's better when you feel something to say something before you let it just kind of manifest for so long. And then it'll eventually come out in an outburst or it won't be heard how you intended to have it be heard. So that's one of my biggest lessons, I would say, in having those hard conversations. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you both so much for sharing. I completely agree. It's liberating in a way to finally speak up about your mental health struggles, but it can be really hard to start. Do the two of you remember that moment when finally you sought out help, whether it was now, later on, I know Payman, you said you're in therapy, or the first time you realized you were having mental health struggles, do you remember what it was like to open up about it for the first time? I think for me, at different points, especially uh, a time late in 2016, before we started the brand, was sort of the first time that I ever was conscious about anything really on the mental health side for myself. I, I think it was definitely perhaps a little bit hard for me to to talk about with with my brother, some of my friends and my parents. But I do think that I was fortunate to have those people around me and receptive and people with their own experiences as well. So I, I find that I was quite fortunate in that, but I know that not everyone is. And I think part of also what we're doing, not to tie everything back to this, but the local optimist as a platform to to learn, but also be able to take that first step. We released a non-crisis support line that people can text three days a week. It's open five days a week this month. And that allows you to have a conversation or a pre-conversation so that you do feel comfortable then going and talking to someone. I think that opens up a lot. And it's something that I know can hopefully help a lot of people over time. And I love that about the local optimist. I love that there are even phrases and resources on your website to copy and paste and use for yourself if someone doesn't even know what to say. So I love that about TLO. But Mason, what about you? Yeah, just to quickly piggyback on that, I think the big focus there with TLO and the hotline especially is just meeting people where they are and knowing that we don't have all the answers and we can't walk this walk for you. But if we can just meet you wherever you are and provide you with something or some conversation to get you to just take that first step, then we're going to stay there with you your whole journey, walking you foot by foot. I've been in this game for a while. I first started going to therapy when I was seven years old after experiencing like a pretty traumatic death in our family. And yeah, that's just always been something that my mom especially has really encouraged me to speak about how I feel and to not feel 
embarrassed to share my feelings or anything like that. I think I, I come from a blended family that had to deal with some pretty big things at a pretty young age. And it, it kind of forced me to develop this sense of self and feeling and identity and be able to express that in order to like feel like I could survive as a kid. So it's really something that's like pretty ingrained in my DNA and just my behavior and just kind of how I approach life. Wow. Well, thank you, Mason, for sharing that. And Payman, you too. You two are doing such an incredible job in the world of normalizing, speaking up about our mental health. And I give you major, major snaps for that. We love snaps at TC. But as both of our brands both focus on the next generation, Gen Z, I think it's interesting that we're the generation that is 27% more likely to report our mental health struggles, but we're also the generation that is most likely to struggle with our own mental health. So I think in reflecting on our own work at TC, I think normalizing the conversation is half the battle. But I feel like nowadays, honestly, the terms mental health, depression, anxiety have to some extent maybe even become buzzwords. So I'd love to know your thoughts. Do you think normalizing the conversation surrounding mental health with the work you're doing at Mad Happy has helped to break down the stigma. Just would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, my quick uh, take on this is that what we're trying to do is not even just talk about the negative stuff. Like I think with physical health, whenever it was in the 70s, when people started talking about like preventing things like heart disease instead of treating it after the fact, like going to the gym became like a proactive thing that you could do. And today, that's sort of the revolution that we think mental health is going through. Like me telling you I'm going to therapy, it still sounds a little bit weird for whatever reason. And so that whole spectrum of the really dark stuff, like you said, some of the things that you feel like have become buzzwords, like that's only part of the mental health discussion. And what we try to do is really talk about the full spectrum of things, the highs as well, the the great days that you have, the the high emotions that you may feel. And we think that that's the other half of mental health as well. Mental health is just really just health. And so that that's how we try to approach it. Of course, we know that that with any of these things, like they can become buzzy at times. But for us, it's really like a longer term thing that we're doing. And, and it's really just the beginning of the change that we hope will happen in the space. Yeah, I think I think payment's exactly right. Our, our eyes are definitely focused more long term. And I think in our culture and and society things tend to be kind of small and then they get cool and then they gain a little bit of traction and then everyone starts talking about them and then they get the buzzy term and then they kind of seem to be too commercial and then not as cool anymore but hey if mental health is super buzzy and a lot of people are talking about it that's only good news to my ears so i i think that's a great sign and hopefully it can only get buzzier i hear you and i love mason that you also mentioned that you have your eyes on the future And so a favorite question of mine to ask is, I think for the two of you, correct me if I'm wrong, you are trying to build a more optimistic world. And here at The Conversationalist, we're trying to create a more unified world. So sometimes I like to romanticize or even daydream about what a unified world looks like so that maybe one day The Conversationalist wouldn't even need to exist because we have come together and created that unified world. So I'd be curious to know, what does that optimistic world look like for you down the road? I think uh, the reality of the situation is that everyone is going to struggle at times. So I don't think that we should paint this picture of a world where everyone is happy all the time because that's just not going to exist. But there is so much in life 
that we don't have control over that people a lot of the times tend to focus on that cause a lot of our stressors and anxieties and things that don't make us feel so good. And one thing that we feel like we do have control over that we should focus on is our mindset and our outlook and how we choose to wake up and approach each and every single day. And with that sense of optimism that we can choose to have, not saying that those other times won't happen, like I said, but we'll be able to see them through a different lens and learn to appreciate them a bit more and see them a bit more as an opportunity instead of an obstacle and take a lesson away from it, all if we can have this kind of positive mindset and choose to see that glass half full. So in a nutshell, that's kind of what a more optimistic world looks like to me. Yeah, Mason put it really well, and I'm sure we're probably repeating similar messages, but I think the the kindness thing that Mason brought up earlier, just being kinder to ourselves and and loving ourselves more, and in turn being able to you know be kinder and, and love everyone else more. I think that just that message will hopefully get everyone through the the more challenging times of life. So beautifully said. My name is Alexandra Cohen, and I approve this hot take. We all know what that sound means. Haven Mason, it's time for a TC hot take. For those who are unfamiliar with hot takes, we talk about them all day long at The Conversationalist on the Geneva app in our hot takes room. And hot takes can be anywhere on the spectrum from lighter and sillier to extremely spicy and controversial. And today's hot take for the two of you is brought to you by one of our amazing community members, Alexandra Cohen. So Alexandra Cohen wants to know, if you think an Uncrustable is a sandwich or rather a ravioli. Well, let me just say this to start. I've never in my life had an Uncrustables because I have a severe peanut allergy and I've never been able to have them. So I don't feel like I can fully comment on it having never tasted one, but my gut is telling me that it's more of a ravioli. Wow. I, I, I don't know Uncrustables well enough to know if there are even sandwiches or I shouldn't even qualify them as sandwiches, uncrustable flavors without peanut butter. So that's that's tragic. I feel like I feel like there's definitely they like, have jelly on. like only jelly ones, but one, I would just never have that. And two, it just seems like you gotta go with the peanut that's butter. Fair. I don't know if I would call it ravioli, but it's more of a hot pocket. Interesting. Yeah, we've gotten hot pockets before. We've also heard that actually an uncrustable is more so a gusher than a ravioli. So Food classification is a huge hot take at TC. So (laughs) thank you both for your answers. I'm going to keep thinking on it. It It seems like you think sandwich because you classified it as a sandwich when you were answering me. So here's the thing. In my personal opinion, if I were classifying the Uncrustable, I would probably classify it as a pie. Mm. I think the way that it's shaped, and if you define a pie as something that has something on the outside with something enclosed with those little marks around the outside, mm. it could be considered a pie. Very baby So pie. I didn't throw that in there because I didn't know if we wanted to go that route, but I would probably pick more along the like hot pocket pie side of the debate. So payment, I'm with you. Well, if anyone out there has an opinion on this, please come join us on Geneva. Share your opinion with us and we'll keep the conversation going. Heyman, Mason, I am so inspired by your journeys. And as we head over to talk about our advice on our advice segment, I'd love to know, for anyone out there listening, particularly Gen Zers, who are looking to open up more conversations about mental health, whether it be in general, about their own struggles, or even with a friend who may be struggling, 
What advice do you have for someone to maybe start initiating those conversations? I think it starts with yourself and getting to know yourself and being able to identify what is it within myself that I need support with and what do I need help with? And if I'm not able to identify that on my own, then it's identifying my closest support system. So if you're Gen Z, you're still relatively young, I would assume. So maybe that's a parent, maybe that's a really close friend, maybe that's a sibling, maybe that's a therapist or a teacher who you work with. But it's so important to have that rock in your life who you know that you can go to, who you fully trust, who you don't feel like will judge you at all, and really open up to that person. And if you don't know, they can help you find out. And if they can't help you find out, they'll get you someone who can help you find out. But really first trying to do the work on your own and identify what it is that I need support with. And then once you've got that, go to your rock and ask for help and let them help you and take care of you. Because we all have so many people in our lives who love us and care for us. And it's hard to always feel that sometimes, but it's so important to have like a support system who you can rely on. Awesome. That's such good advice. And again, looking back on your journeys to where you are now, what do you wish that your younger self knew maybe before starting Mad Happy or even when you were first starting to struggle with your own mental health? What do you know now that you wish you knew then? For me, I, you know, I don't, I personally don't wish that I knew anything because I like sort of the decisions that got me to where I am and believe you know, believe that to continue into the future. But I think advice wise, what I would say is like, at least with starting a business, it's that, you know, it is never too early. And the risks, though, they do feel high when you're younger. I think that it's actually like the best time to be risky, the best time to to try something. And even if it fails, like the amount that you will learn and the amount that you will grow and learn about yourself will be far greater than than almost any other job. And not to say that a startup is for everyone, but if you do feel like it's for you and you want to take that leap, then you should do it earlier and really put yourself out there. And o- over time, you know, a lot of people will offer their support and you should take that and you should continue to grow from there and, and ask a lot of questions, stay super humble. And after a couple of years, you'll be, you know, in a place that you could have never imagined. So that would be my take. I would tell my younger self probably that you're a smart kid. Stop being so hard on yourself. And you're enough, dude. Mic drop. That was so awesome. Thank you both for sharing. That was great advice. And now we're going to pop on over to our little self promo segment. We'd love to know what's a product you're working on right now that you are super excited about. We know it's Mental Health Awareness Month. What do you have going on at Mad Happy and TLO? And also, How can we stay in touch with the two of you and continue the conversation? I think for us, uh, we just last week released our mental health journal and we're super excited about that. It's really our first mental health specific product that we've released and the reception towards it has been great. I believe it sold out, but it will come back in stock soon. And so we hope products like that can continue coming and people can continue to, to engage with them and really benefit from them. We're also really excited to launch our podcast Thursday, May 20th. So the trailer should be out now. It's just called the Mad Happy Podcast. So definitely check it out. Mason and I will be interviewing a bunch of cool people talking about their mental health journeys, experiences, our lives, and it should be really fun. Can't wait to listen. Congrats on launching the pod. And thank you. We're always going to be here in your corner at TC. So we end every episode in proper TC fashion with some snaps. Want to give the two of you just some major snaps for being so open and vulnerable about your own 
mental health journeys in this conversation. I really appreciated, Payman, how you mentioned early on in the episode, just the importance of being kind to others. I think it takes so much more energy to be mean. And the more that we can be kind and optimistic within our own lives and to others, we'll be able to build that optimistic world. And Mason, I can't wait to learn more about your journey the more that we get to know each other. But thank you for sharing about how you've been able to initiate these own conversations in your life and also emphasizing the importance of building your support system. That is so important of surrounding yourself with people who care about you and love you because there are people who care about you and love you. So thank you both so much for all that you do to initiate conversations in the mental health space, for being supporters of TC and can't wait to keep the conversations going. Totally. Thank you so much for having us, Sophie. Love what you guys are doing over there at the TC and we'll keep in touch for sure. Yeah, thank you. Thanks everyone. What a powerful conversation. Thank you so much again to Payman and Mason for joining me today on the Conversationalist podcast. They, along with the other co-founders of Mad Happy, Noah and Joshua, are doing such incredible work to open up the conversations surrounding mental health. So make sure to check them out online at madhappy.com or thelocaloptimist.com and read more about their work in the show notes. This conversation helped me break open my echo chamber in recognizing that mental health is not a linear journey. As Payman and Mason both pointed out, mental health does not discriminate. Everyone, regardless of their background, struggles with their mental health at one time or another and at different times altogether, which is why it is so important to have a support system you can trust and to be able to seek support when you need it. Thanks again to Payman and Mason and to everyone at Mad Happy for breaking open echo chambers in the mental health space. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please subscribe to the Conversationalist podcast wherever you're listening right now. And if you want to meet incredible people like today's guest, come join us in the Conversationalist community on the Geneva app. We're there 24-7 to talk about anything on your mind that matters to you. Just click the link in the show notes below or click our link in bio on Instagram at The Conversationalist and check out our website, theconversationalist.com. If you want to join right here, right now, just take out your phone and text the word UNIFY to 877-222-1119 and we'll see you there. You may have been wondering what our segments mean and where they come from, like Break the Ice, Hot Takes, Let's Talk, and Snaps. So come to our community to find out and see for yourself. I'm Sophie Barron. We'll see you next time on the Conversationalist podcast, where we amplify and unify together. The Conversationalist podcast is a production of the Conversationalist LLC. No part of this program can be reproduced or published without written permission from the producer. The views expressed on this podcast are not the views of The Conversationalist, its partners, team members, or affiliates. Copyright 2021, The Conversationalist.